Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for today's episode with the one and only David Meltzer. David is the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a firm he founded with the Hall of Fame uh, quarterback Warren Moon. He's also a public speaker and best-selling author and a humanitarian. He was honored by Variety as the Sports Humanitarian of the Year. What I like about David is I've, I've been sort of uh, following his content online for uh, quite some time, and I love that he went from, I think, what I would call a traditional orientation of success and happiness to be found through money and material acquisition, uh, and then he lost uh, everything. He lost many, many millions of dollars um, and started from zero again with a, a different orientation and one oriented towards personal development and spirituality. So he really kind of is a nice bridge between the traditional business world and this notion of um, orienting yourself um, spiritually and following your own true north. So I think you'll really get a lot of value out of this conversation with David. I know I did. And I was also a guest. He has a show on Entrepreneur. Um, I was a guest on his show. So if you enjoy this conversation, uh, please go over to The Playbook, which is his show, and check out our episode there. With that, I want to shout out our sponsors. The show is brought to you by two of my favorite companies. One is Foria. Foria is a world-class CBD company. I take their basic supplements. It, uh, they have a 500 milligram and 1,000 milligram CBD. CBD is obviously gaining a lot of traction in the health and wellness world, but a lot of it is unregulated. I totally trust Foria for their quality. Um, they are grown in the U.S., third-party tested, and they use a full-spectrum product. And I know the founder, uh, he has a great deal of integrity, so I highly recommend the product. If you're interested, go check out foriawellness.com and put in peak at checkout for 20% off your order. They also have uh, some other wonderful products, which I highly recommend you check out. This episode is also brought to you by Thrive Probiotic. Uh, Thrive is my go-to pre and probiotic. I also take their K2 supplement uh, for everything related to my sort of gut health. Um, as you know, the gut is your center for your immunity. It's also where you produce uh, your, a lot of your, your neurotransmitters that make you feel really good, like serotonin. So having good health, uh, gut health is key. And what I like about uh, Thrive uh, is they have a clinically tested product with patented strains uh, for your uh, gut health. And their, their probiotics are, as far as I've seen in the market, um, best in class. So I really recommend you check them out. It's Just Thrive Health. And if you put uh, .com, justthrivehealth.com, put in peak at checkout for 15% off your order. With that, it is my great pleasure to introduce the one and only David Meltzer. I'm here with uh, David Meltzer. It's a pleasure to be with you, my friend. It's uh, It's been a long time coming, and I'm really grateful we made it happen. Yeah, I, everything at the right way at the perfect time, and this is proof of it. I was saying how excited I was to just be into a space with you, someone who gets me. You know, I hate to get Jerry Maguire asked. <laughs> very few, most of the time, I have to transcode or tone things down. I just can't be myself. Uh, because nobody would understand what I'm saying. So hopefully I can say what I want to say, and you can transcode it for your listeners. <laughs> br br bring it, my man. You know, right one, on. one of the things I, I love, which I was just sharing a bit before we, we went live, but 
this actually, your office, which you bought here, uh, reminded me a lot of my dad's office. And as I've you know done my research and listened to you, what I love is you you sort of, if I may, my own projection, are a bit of a bridge, right? Because you've gone from what I would call the conventional notion of success to redefining a, a new paradigm of success, which is what I love about um, sort of your story. So if you could, could you, you know, bring us back, you know, and I'd love to get obviously into what you're focused on now, but sort of the mindset you started with as, you know, growing up, as I understand it, with a, with a, with, with a mother with six kids, not necessarily with, you know, in, in a place of abundance, uh, so to speak, uh, but happy, as I understand it. Can you take the audience back to sort of your come from? Yeah, of course. And I think to that level is one thing to be a bridge, but it's another to maintain the old mindset mm. and transcode the new stuff that you learn back into that mindset so that people that currently have that mindset can actually make their own bridge. Yes. And I really focus hard on that under the guise of being happy. And so I grew up with six kids and a single mom, really typical, awesome mom, two yeah. jobs, second grade teacher, filled up turnstiles at 7-Elevens at night, taught to us in the station wagon at night, had the older ones read the younger ones, tremendous amount, I joke around, my mom's a black belt, third degree in the martial art of Jewish guilt. <laughs> so anyone out there driven by a mom who has guilted you, it is two parenting lessons I've learned from my mom. One, use guilt as your weapon, never raise a hand, never raise your voice, use guilt. It's safe. And then two, wake your kids up at 5 a.m. Uh, <laughs> both are incredible parenting tools. Yep. Uh, but my mom taught me doctor, lawyer, or failure. Mm. And my siblings all went down that route. Uh, fetus wasn't fully developed till graduate school. Tremendous amount of academic pressure. I wanted to be a professional football player. The thing that always resonated, though, from the time I was five years old, is that I was happy. And the only time I wasn't happy is when I saw my mom suffering. Mm. And every, so I took up still, every time she suffered, it was about money. Yeah. It was, that's all. It wasn't about her children. Everybody's healthy. Harvard, Penn, like unbelievable joy, like tons of love, not much space, two bedrooms and the six kids. But that's it. Great food, right? She cooked it. Uh, even if it came from food stamps, it was delicious. She knew everything except for I'd catch her when the car broke down and it broke my heart. Yeah. I still haven't processed all of it. Still feel guilty. And I'll tell you why I feel guilty is because... When I was little, my dad left at five. He was my hero. Mm. Dad married a girl closer to my age than his. Tons of money back in the 70s. There was no deadbeat dads. So they got away with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But could you imagine while my mom was doing all that, this is where the choking up comes from. I would tell my mom, why was she such a loser? That she mm. couldn't be like dad. Never once saying one negative thing about my father. Mm. Even because he knew, right? But... That evolved itself as well. The truth always vibrates the fastest and comes out. I ended up uh, pursuing a career in sports, went to college to play football. Literally, what chose the college because it was the only one that would let me play football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up getting run over my first game by Christian Okoye, who was the AFC player of the year the next year, the Nigerian nightmare. I remember people joke around like, come on, you're just saying that in your speech. I literally remember lying on my back getting run over, saying to myself, doctor, lawyer, <laughs> And I like immediately started studying really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, and through that, though, the main bridge started, I believe money's a currency. Mm -hmm. Most people understand sure. that it's an object of energy that we put into the flow. My idea of money was really simple. Money buys happiness. Mm. Because that was the only thing that 
wasn't making me happy, right? Every hole in my life, every insecurity I had, it was, you know, that guy thinks he's better than me because he has money. He has it easier. He could go to summer camp. He has the specialized coach. He, all the things related, if I only had money. Mm. Oh, I could learn that if I only had money. I, I couldn't afford an SAT class. But yeah, my siblings, I had the worst score at, you know, 1290 or 1390. My sibling got a perfect score. One missed one and protested the question. No, <laughs> no money. Anyway, I, that all transformed. Uh, but before transform, I had to manifest a lot of money to prove that money does not buy happiness. And you did that, right? I mean, you you, you manifested a tremendous amount of money. Bought your mom a house, uh, you, uh, and a car, yeah, <laughs> and and went and basically went after it. And you had this, you had what was it sounded like tremendous abundance. Um, but did it correlate to the happiness that you thought it would? It didn't, and it was because I did understand the universe, right? Mm -hmm. I I truly believed I was in control because everything I was control of, I succeeded at. Beyond most people's expectation. Nine yeah. months out of law school, millionaire, multimillionaire by the time I'm 30. Everything that I was, the activity was I could work my way, work hard, hard smart, and long. Hmm. Right? I had a very long perspective at five years old. I was going to work hard for a long time. I wasn't going to quit until I got it. Right, And I think the long piece a lot of people miss today, millennials get accused of being instant gratification kids and wanting things right away. Hmm. I was born in a long perspective. But I also am a little burrow. You can't outwork me. I, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you can't. And yeah. that's how I thought. And then... You know, I had three things that occurred in my life that created this shift. Mm. And this is before I lost over $100 million. Most people think the shift occurred when I lost all my money, yeah. you know, my 30s. It didn't. It happened, number one, because my father, who forgot my birthday when I was 10 and crushed me, and I decided to hate him at that time, at 30, gave me a suit coat like that, custom-made, nothing in the insides, and I thought he was punishing me, so I called him and said, you finally give me a birthday present after 20 years. I thought you were apologizing because you said you didn't believe in birthdays, and you know I'm old enough to realize that you were just projecting your insecurity because you weren't a great father at the time, and mm. we want to have this. I was pretty good at it, and I was still <laughs> like, but why would you do this? He said, because you're just like me. And I got mad again. I'm still lost at 30, and I'm like, I'm nothing like you. He said, mm. you're just like me. He said, I gave you that jacket not to wear, Hang in your closet every day. Look at it. Remind you, you can't take anything with you when you're gone. I don't want you to be. Wow. There. I want you. Don't be the richest man in the cemetery. Wow. Nobody, nobody dies. I remember. No one dies saying, God, I wish I could work another day. Yeah. Because I'm so worried about you. That was a seed. I didn't react. My ego did. But I, I didn't take the seed yet. But it was planted. I still remember it. Second, my best friend took me golfing. Hadn't seen him. He's actually the boy that for me in sixth grade camp, asked what would be my wife to go steady for me. And she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And I threw an egg at her. <laughs> so my wife hated me until I got money. Yeah. She hates the fact, my wife did not marry me for the money. In fact, if she did, she wouldn't be with me yeah. because she never would have stayed. And I know she hates when I talk about this, but I joke around in my mind. I got the girl of my dreams because I was rich, mm. right? I, this is all cementing in. I know she takes it the wrong way that people think she's a gold digger. She's not a gold digger. Look at this face. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, I then the third and final one was my wife, uh, two years before I lost everything, telling me that I was lost for the mm. last time. She wasn't happy. We had three beautiful daughters at the time. Everything you could ever dream of I could afford. Yeah. And she told me she wasn't happy, and she meant it. And, man, 
it just crushed me. Yeah. And that, all of a sudden, I, I was lost. Mm. Uh, and I somehow I started, I, she said last night, you started listening to me. Mm. And not just telling me who, how great you are and how much you control. You started listening and asking questions, and you sat down and watched the movie The Secret. Even though the first time I watched that movie, I said, this is BS. You, know, yeah, you can't, yeah. can't just vision, you got Glove Goya somewhere in here, right? <laughs> Get off your ass and do something. Sure. But I, I evolved, and the coolest thing was I was prepared to lose everything when I lost it two years later. I was on a transformation that was incredible. I had a quantum shift in my life. And what I learned, this is where the bridge came in, money does not buy happiness. So people would say immediately, so money's not important, just the opposite. Yeah. I learned how important money is. Mm. It's so important because... It does not buy happiness, but it allows you to shop the same way that faith allows you to shop. Let me explain. With money, if you have a green card, mm. a green card, you can buy so much from Amazon. If you have a gold card, you can buy more. If you have a platinum card, even more. But if you have a black card, the world of more than enough, you can buy everything on Amazon. Mm. There's no limit to a black card. Mm. No limit at all. Faith is the same way, mm. right? If you shop for the right things, you're going to be happy. Mm. If you shop for the wrong things, you're going to be unhappy. I was shopping for the wrong things. I was shopping and putting faith both into the wrong things, into Ferraris and buying things, more things, different things, and I wasn't finding happiness. Right. But when I shopped for the right things, when I realized that, wow, I can impact a billion people in my lifetime to be happy mm. because of money and faith, those two things, those were transformative for me. Those change my perspective and instead of just pursuing time for efficiencies effectiveness and statistical success i started utilizing and understanding time itself and how to utilize it and accelerate it in order to manifest or shop for what i wanted mm. like impacting a billion people on earth to be happy Okay, I really I love that. I, I really want to delve into this this time concept because you talked actually you did a TED talk where you talked about uh, frequency, and one of the things that I think everyone can relate to we all have we all, that's the one gift which I think is probably our greatest gift that we all share, which is time, right? And it's our most precious gift. Take the wealthiest person, take Jeff Bezos, yeah. you know, and if all of a sudden, God forbid, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, he would give away all of the billions for more time. Right, and Steve Jobs, Jobs. any any of any of these people that we exalt. Um, So, so time, in a way, is our greatest wealth. And it sounds like you have you've kind of realized. And I I like what you said about your dad's actual message to you in regards to you can't take it with you. Because I think one of the most powerful exercises that I've done is this eulogy exercise. You know, where you actually think back on your legacy. And like when you're dead, and for me, it's like I know that I, I'm not going to care about, what, like you said, a Lamborghini or Ferrari in the driveway, but I am going to care about how many people did I impact, how many lives, how many hearts did I touch, who did I share these experiences with. So I love this notion of time. How, based on this sort of epiphany and, and these three things that occurred to you after this, this loss or preceding the loss of the $100 million, and now coming into this sort of rebuilding phase, how did you perceive time or how did you approach time with that new perspective? It's about two things, mm. time. Understanding, number one, the difference of time, meaning at this vibration, just like money is the currency of this vibration, that this world we live in, this pragmatic one lifetime that we're giving full of fear that it's going to end, Yeah. Uh, this lifetime has 24 hours a day. Mm. So I had to, number one, look at my productivity and accessibility in that time zone. 
Yeah. And I don't think people realize those are the only th two things you really have to worry about. Productivity is how much value am I providing, how much service, how am I of service? Yeah. Accessibility is two things. One, how accessible am I to others? And two, when I say others, I mean both the unbelievable infinite source of energy that exists mm. and how much interference or corrosion am I creating and also everyone else and everything else. Mm. And then two, how am I accessing what I want from those things? Mm. Right? So how, how clear is the connection between the most powerful source of energy and light and everything else? And how clear is the connection coming back to me? Because receiving is a huge issue for a lot of people. It has more interference Definitely. than giving. Definitely. Because giving is a higher frequency in itself. Receiving has a little more complex in its frequency. And you have to get in tune with the energy of receiving everything through you so that now receiving becomes giving. And giving and receiving are one. Therefore, it can carry the same frequency as giving alone. So you're talking about frequency a lot, which I definitely relate to, but just for the benefit of the audience, because I know in, in listening to some of your story, you had talked about the, the you know sort of being on the plane with this woman when you were not yeah. not, not, not so as attuned to frequency <laughs> yeah. and her sort of breaking down this notion of frequency. But can you give context into what you mean when you talk about frequency? Because a lot of the audience will totally get it, you know, are, yeah, are attuned to it, but just for the benefit for of those who may not. Yeah, yeah so frequency is a vibration. Mm. And it was explained to me that everything on earth vibrates. The table, minerals vibrate the slowest. That's why we can't put our fingers yep. through it. Plants, animals, humans, sound, light, and then thought. And this woman who taught me this and changed my whole world with one sentence asked me, what do you think vibrates the fastest? And I had no idea because I thought that I vibrated the fastest <laughs> and I created everything. So I didn't have the narcissism to tell her that. She said to me, the truth. Mm. The truth vibrates the fastest. What if I could teach you to vibrate faster because you only can be aware of, or your frequency, you only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. Mm. So a lot of times when we're trying to teach our children things, mm. when we're trying to teach our friends things, when they're trying to teach us, our frequency may be too low to understand what they're saying, so it's going to have a disconnect, an interference or corrosion between that connection. It doesn't mean it doesn't have an impact. It could leave a little seed of frequency in there for later on when your football coach tells you, your professor tells you the same exact thing, or Dave Meltzer tells you on stage to say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. All of a sudden, you're at the frequency yeah. to get it, and you'll stand in line for an hour to tell me, thank you so much, you changed my life. I'm going to say thank you before I go to bed every night. And I'm thinking, I promise your mom and grandma told you that. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's true. It's a matter of vibration and understanding awareness of the data that's flowing in these connections. Yeah, Un unequivocally. And I, I love that you talk about frequency because I talk about sort of this notion of resonance in music, uh, yeah. which, is to which are totally aligned. But, um, but that notion of, yeah, how do you elevate your, you know... <laughs> I, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but your vibe attracts your tribe. And we, we, yeah. you know, we've, we've all heard that notion of you are the sum of the five people you, you spend the most time with. But I feel like I've, I've noticed is I've elevated my own energetic frequency um, and started to f uh, share my music, if you will. I've attracted a whole different reality into my world. And I, I, know, I know that you talked about you, you, you talk about these sort of four keys to happiness, which I'd love to delve into because I think it's so 
you know, some of it is 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 sort of common sense, but some of it actually, I think, especially like common sense in the context of those who are sort of have a gratitude practice. But I think it can never be told too much. Like you talk about in your TED talk, you know, how many people could say thank you every night? And every, of course, everyone raises their hands, <laughs> yeah. right? And then you're like, yeah, but fifty percent of you will forget by tonight to do it, you know, so to speak. And I I really relate to that because it's like having the idea and then actually putting it into action and that commitment are two different things. But could you break down for us those sort of four tenets of happiness? Yeah, the first is the biggest. It's gratitude. Mm. Because gratitude is your perspective and your perspective is everything. Yeah. So perspective is equivalent to subjective value. Mm. So one of the things to realize when we're talking about money is money is a real value of this universe. Everything else is subjective. In sports, there's a ton of subjective values. If you're dealing in subjective value, then how do you raise most every single thing you do has subjective value except for the quantitative money? Mm. Okay? So everything's subjective. So why not control the subjectivity? What is that? Your perspective. What's the most powerful tool to control that perspective? Gratitude. Gratitude makes everything better. Just by saying thank you, you could take any scenario, like losing over $100 million, and literally just say thank you enough times until you feel it, believe it, and shift your energy of it, and look for the light within looking at it, go, well, you know, at least I don't have to go to bank today. (laughs) You can get literally down. I know Gary Vee does this, right? He builds himself all the way down to, like, the basics of at least I'm breathing. (laughs) That's okay. That's finding the light or putting faith in what you do want. Mm. That's shopping for the right things. And this all ties together. So gratitude makes my past amazing, my present even better, and my future even brighter. Mm. So I tell people, how do we learn things? Life is full of lessons. The only reason we're here is to learn lessons. We're giving a body so we can learn lessons. The thing about lessons, what you said earlier, you're guaranteed to forget every lesson you've ever learned. Mm. Just know that from the start. But you have the power of accessing all lessons, including the one you've learned, including the one you haven't learned. You have the power to access every lesson. So all this ties together. Gratitude is the glue that ties it all together, meaning you better have the highest subjective value of the lessons so that none of them are mistakes. They're just lessons. And the more that we learn the lessons, the better we are, the more we expand and accelerate and raise our frequency. Again, escalating how much more we can be aware of. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is the most powerful thing. Anything you want to learn, do it minimum 21 days in a row. Mm-hmm. And the reason is cellular structure is stupid. Stupid structure. <laughs> it, 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 can, it can only take 10,000 lessons a day, and it only knows what it learned during the day. The minute you go to sleep, it, the memory's gone. Mm. The only way that memory gets anywhere you can remember is to do it 21 days or more, depending on who you are and your genetics. It goes into your mind, as you know, from peak mind, mm-hmm. and boom, a neural pathway is formed. Now you have 40,000 of those same thoughts every day that you can access. The more you access them, the more likely you're going to activate an epigenetic layer that mm-hmm. contacts your quantum field. Your quantum field is your DNA. Most scientists will tell you it holds four generations of memories or lessons. It does. Great-grandparents, great. I believe it holds billions of lifetimes, which makes it really confusing, and I don't know how it connects to the ultimate quantum field of everything, but I'm working on trying to figure it out so I can help other people. <laughs> Gratitude, in other words, you better say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. And yes, 50% of the people listening to it will forget by the end of the night, by tomorrow morning, another 50, and within three days, almost everyone. Just to make you feel better, nine months I went standing on stage and I couldn't do it every day for 30 straight days. Well, I'm committed to 21 days. I mean, I have a practice anyway, but I'm going to challenge everyone who's listening. 21 days, morning and night, gratitude for at least three minutes. And if they DM me at David Meltzer, I'll send you a free book. 
and pay for shipping. So go ahead, do, do that. DM me each Love day, it. a thumbs up, a hi, whatever you want. If anyone does it that many days in a row, free book and shipping. Love it. Second thing. So gratitude gives you perspective or subjective value in your life, yep. which then will lead to the real value, more money. Forgiveness is the second one. I call mm. it empathy. Uh, mm. So forgiveness is the most powerful. Biggest fear people have is our life ending. The second one is forgiveness. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're so afraid of forgiveness. Forgiveness, it gives you peace. Yes. It creates less interference or corrosion to the connections between the most powerful source and everything else. Yeah. Why are we so afraid of forgiveness? Because that would mean we'd have to be radically humble and invulnerable. I mean, vulnerable is what other people think. I believe it makes you invulnerable. Mm. So who do you have to forgive? Only one person, because everyone's a mirror of ourselves, and we can't give what we don't have. Forgive yourself. Yeah. And then give it to others. You know how easy life is when you're forgiving? You know how much illusion we put into how much resources time money i lost over 100 million for one reason people ask you how do you lose that really basic i wasn't radically humble i couldn't forgive Mm. right i wanted to prove a need to be right a need to be offended a need to be separate inferior superior a need for guilt anger obsession addiction i had all these needs of the ego if i just would have been radically humble and forgiven myself it would have stopped. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The real value of my life would have went up. The money would have went up, not all the way down. So forgiveness gives us peace. Subjective value and perspective is given by gratitude. The third one is accountability. Mm. Accountability gives us control of our life. It's counterintuitive, though. What do you mean accountability gives me control? Two questions. What did I do to attract this to myself? Mm-hmm. When you step into my office and we talk about frequency and time, and yeah. at the right way at the perfect time. I've yeah. been wanting to meet you for so long, and but yet I have surrendered. So you have the law of Goya, right? <laughs> work hard, work smart, work long. You have the law of attraction. Yeah. But this is the law of surrender. Yeah. It's getting out of your way, being accountable. What did I do to attract my trainer into my office, and what am I supposed to learn from it? Mm. Those two questions now give me complete control of my entire life. And then finally, inspiration, or I call it in a pragmatic term, effective communication. How effectively am I communicating to that which inspires me? Mm. And I don't put a dogmatic religious perspective on it, and I don't deny anybody their dogmatic religious perspective. My brother is a famous rabbi. I am so proud of him. I have my own beliefs that are incorporated in everyone's dogmatic religion, and that is connect the best that you can Right? Effectively communicate with that which inspires you because the more inspiration you have, mm. the more you can what? Give it away. Yep. Once again, how effectively clear is my connection and how clear is this connection? And that is how I'm going to impact a billion people or more in my lifetime to be happy. And I know a collective belief of happiness of over a billion people out of eight billion is going to change the face of the earth. Yeah. Ironically, through that, my own real actual value, monetary value, the money side will continue to grow and grow and grow. It just has to. I believe in abundance. I, I love I, I love this distinction. I think I, w- I want to touch on this notion of money, right? Because I think so many people have such nuanced narratives and stories around money. And to think about, and I've had my own sort of journey of, of, of you know, making money, <laughs> losing significant amounts of money, et cetera, not $100 million, to be <laughs> fair, but, but having been now on the other side of that, right, like having your identity totally associated with money, 
amassing a, what, what by any stretch of the imagination is a large fortune and then losing it and now having kind of come back through that through that that journey right the hero's journey is interesting right because there's always a a descendence before the ultimate transcendence right like if you look at any mythology and you're now sort of on this on this road back up and, and but it sounds like you've aligned yourself to a different anchor if you will it's not just money for money's sake as you said you you want to impact a billion maybe more billion people in regards to their happiness and from that why i imagine abundance will flow but how for those who maybe have um, a nuanced relationship with money right like there are a lot of people out there you know listening that that are struggling financially you know obviously debt is epidemic in in this country in the US where we're we're, we're currently recording um, but but people have you know a lot of triggers around it as someone who has attracted abundance lost it and then rebuilt it i think that's a fascinating come from can you share your both sort of the whyness as it relates to your philosophical approach to money, but also any tactical tips that you can give to people like like in in that sort of Gary V. I listened to your your interview with Gary V. and I loved where he was like, all right, give me like the real juice, like the real like vulnerable, yeah. like the thing you don't want to tell anyone. Or but like but like you know, and I and I feel like in that same spirit, like for cool. those who are who have that notion of of or issues or or you know you know associate money with something negative, like. What can you tell them to help them reorient their relationship to money? Perfect. And I'm going to take the second one as well, like yeah. how to actually make it. Yeah, great. Right? Love it. Love so, it. And I think that's important. So first, there's three worlds. Mm. I lived in a world of not enough mm. no, and, and grew up with that nothing. I was so hungry and desperate, and I really believe that fear motivated me. Mm-hmm. Right, The fear of not having enough, the scarce world yeah. of not enough. But it wasn't until I learned that... It, Fear is the biggest soul sucker of energy. Mm-hmm. And it sucked everything from me. Fear is not a motivator. Mm. What it does, though, is focus you. Mm-hmm. Fear is the ultimate focuser. And so when I learned that, I started learning what if I substitute something else than fear to focus me, like consistent behavior, mm. right? Understanding the continuum from the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind. That period of time was when I was in a world of what I call just enough. Mm-hmm. And I see people all the time. There's guys right around the corner in Newport Coast here with $100 million house that live in world of just enough. There's just enough for me. There's more, you know, not enough for everyone else. Still very scarce. Mm-hmm. And when your money energy is not enough, you'll never have enough. Mm-hmm. I could give my mom, she lives in the world of not enough. I could give my mom $10 million on January 1st, and she would call me again at one time for more money. Mm. That's her energy. She lives in that world. So when you're in a scarce world, there'll never be enough. And you live in just enough world, there'll just be enough. If you can enter the world of more than enough, mm. and you can put the law of Goya to work, which we'll talk about, you know, working hard, smart, and long, and I'll tell you how. Mm. The law of attraction, which we talked about in, in the world, that I'm going to be accountable for what I have attracted and learned from it but also the law of surrender, meaning I need to be aware of when I'm in ego-based consciousness or truth-based consciousness, and I have to have faith that there's more than enough. The more faith you have in what you want, Mm. and faith is an aggregate of what you think, say, do, believe, and understanding it's an aggregate inclusive of your DNA, which means your personality traits, your characteristics, your obsessions and addictions that create a frequency that your unconscious competency is made up of. Mm. The aggregate of your conscious, subconscious, and unconscious competency is faith. 
And so if you want to reflect on how much buying power, shopping power I have with my faith, look at what you're thinking, saying, doing, believing, and find patterns historically about your unconscious competency, mm. right? Where, where Leaves clues. Example, you know, my, <laughs> what I learned on mine, yeah. and this is where I shifted my energy, is that I was born <clears throat> with a quantum, quantum memory of being a, a liar, a manipulator, mm. an overseller, a back-end seller, and I hated my father for it. Mm. Why? Because I was afraid I was the same, mm. right? The ego-based consciousness said, oh, you don't hate him, because that's what you're most afraid of, that your unconscious competency every day knows beyond that you're out there giving money, giving money to charity when I was rich. Why? So people could know that I gave it. So my name could be tied. So my mom could be proud. Not to impact and change the world. Mm. Not unconditionally. Not the way that I've been able to shift my unconscious competency now. So live in the world and work. All these things are practices. They're muscles. Yep. Enjoy. Enjoy the consistent every day persistent, without quit, pursuit of whatever the potential it is that you want. Mm. Now, pragmatically, how do you make the money? I'll tell you right now. Get your pens out because people don't listen. They don't write things down. Your short-term memory is stupid, remember? So write this down so you can look at it for 21 straight days. Mm. Number one thing are the four values. Try to write down gratitude, empathy, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. Live your life practicing those four things. Number two, be a student of your calendar. Mm. Time is regulated by a calendar in, in this pragmatic world. Mm-hmm. Use a lens, a minimum of 10 minutes a day, use a lens of productivity and accessibility to look at everything you do in person, on the phone, via email, and, of course, uh, media, which mm-hmm. is radio, print, TV, and social media, all combined. If you are productive and accessible with what you're doing in those contexts, and if you can devise a routine... A home routine when everything's normal and what I call an away routine when either you're traveling or family's in town or you have a bachelor party or whatever. You need two routines because you have to stay consistent about being a student of your calendar Mm -hmm. and separate it as you look at it with the lens by activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. And it's okay to be productive and accessible with both, but you know my rules, right? Five-minute Phone calls, 20-minute meetings and yep. interviews, unless it's a special one. We'll go a little over. <laughs> like Gary Vee and Mike Trainer. Those guys get more. But it's true. Yep. That's how I – why? Because I have activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid totally. for. Totally. If I can take five-minute phone calls with the objective of all day long doing activity I get paid for, I don't need to visit. Right? There's no visiting. Yeah. I have activity I don't get paid for, which includes visiting. Yeah. If we become close enough friends, if Gary wants to go to a Jets game, I'll spend all day long – if it's scheduled as activity, I'm not going to get paid for. But when you start focusing, putting attention, which then leads to intention on what I want, which is to get paid for my time, yep. you know, unbelievable. Through that, I learned that sleep was the most underutilized asset that we have. Mm-hmm. People, the one shared discipline that we all have that we can do every single day, it's an unconscious competency of almost every human being ever created, is to sleep eight hours. And the cool thing about sleep is that it allows your body to rest, but two, it enhances your subconscious and your unconscious. Yeah. Because the 40,000 lessons that are stuck there, they're still learning. And they're frequenting and frequencing the DNA, the quantum field, mm-hmm. which is then sending a signal out while you're sleeping. And that's why you're getting stuff into your head that some people believe and don't believe what it really is. 
This all occurs, but yet, how many people on earth study sleep like they study their work or pay attention or intention to sleep? I have a sleep coach. That's my number one coach because that's the easiest, most controlled discipline that I can have to make money. Yeah. Is my sleep. Wow. People don't see it that way, but when I explain it and they do it, and all of a sudden they double the amount of money they make as fast as they can, they're like, what's the difference in what you're doing? Well, I'm sleeping better, and somehow I wake up with the right ideas and the right attitude, and I'm disciplined, I'm consistent in what I do, I'm effectuating what I want better, I'm shopping for what I want, I'm shopping for the right things, my relationships are better, I'm eating better. Really? Why is that? I'm sleeping. Really? Study sleep. Yep. So you have... The first, the four values, student calendar. Next one is really important to make money, ask. Mm. Ask for money. What does that mean? Number one, make sure you're always asking people how you can be of service or of value. But more importantly than that, always ask, do you know anyone that can help me? Let clear the connection between us and everyone. Everyone loves to help. Give them the opportunity to give. Let them live at a higher frequency. Ask them, do you know anyone that can help me? You're not asking them for anything. Other than do you know someone? On average, everyone on earth today is connected to about 1,000 people. In the past, we had about a few people we could go play golf with or go play cards with, go to the church with, go to the men's group or women's group with, right? Sit in the stands of the softball game. So when my friend said, can you help me get a job? I only had about three to four people I could ask. Not today. On average, in person, on the phone, via email and social media, people have 1,000 people. We're not asking anymore. Mm-hmm. We need to ask. Love to ask. Do you know anyone? I, I Literally, that's one great way to make money on top of the other two. And then finally, the last piece of advice to make money is to be present. Now, that's woo-woo. That's the, the new Dave Meltzer. I never understood, even when I was saying it, what being present means. Let me tell you what I've come up with. Uh, and I think it comes from Roosevelt. Do it now. Yeah. Being present means asking yourself, can I do this now? And if you can, do it. You will save a minimum of twice as much time if you do something now. It automatically takes two times the time if you don't do something now because you have to rethink and redo it, right? Twice as much time every time. And two, you're exponentially more successful guaranteed. If you do something now, you're way more successful because most of the time you won't, you'll forget and won't do it, right? Procrastination is the ultimate void. You've got to do things now. Now, if you can't do it now, put it into a do-it-now repository an email folder, a notebook, make a list of things that you couldn't do now and then schedule in the student in your calendar, time to study the do it now folder, prioritize by what's important first and if something is urgent but not important, delegate it. Mm -hmm. If something's not important and not urgent, dump it. Mm -hmm. These are all things, money is related to time. Why? Because the more efficiently, effectively, and statistically successful you utilize your time, for example, I may have heard my story how I made a million dollars out of law school, right? Yeah. I worked literally 56 days a, a, a week. <laughs> you know, they, I wasn't at plan. Nine months was 10 years of work. Yeah. I made a million dollars because I made 100 grand a year at a job that was supposed to pay 250 a year. Why? Because I was twice as many productive hours, twice as efficient, twice as statistically successful. That was 64 hours a day, which is eight days of work. But I worked seven, I didn't work, activity I got paid for, seven days a week. Yeah. 56 days a week. That's what I worked. But Consistent, it wasn't work because I was enjoying it. Long, hard, yep. smart. Long, hard, smart with the now, later on in the second half here, is all long, hard, smart still and enjoying it. Yeah. Law of attraction. Yeah. And, of course, the law of surrender, which is the most uh, aggressive, 
hardworking thing that I do is to number one, just be aware when I'm in ego-based consciousness, yeah. and two, when you're in ego-based consciousness, your body, mind, and soul are on fire. My mom always taught me, teachers always taught me, you catch on fire, stop, drop, and roll. That's literally what goes through my mind. When mm -hmm. I feel like either my body's on fire, my mind's on fire, or my soul is on fire, and we know what that feels like, I tell myself now, hold on a second, let's be aware, let's learn something. Why do I feel this way? Mm. Stop, I drop everything back down, cool it down, and then I put myself back onto the right trajectory towards the objective that I'm trying to do, like make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. I'm back on track. What the problem with the ego-based consciousness is not only does it take you off of the trajectory, but it accelerates you. Two of the worst things you can do, point you in the wrong direction and put rocket fuel in you. Yeah. What do we, why do we think we're so far <laughs> off? That's why. So that's the hypo, you know, woo-woo side all the way down to very pragmatic things that are simple and highly successful things that you can do. I, I absolutely love it. I, I, I appreciate you going both places because I think it's, I think both are essential. I mean, it's speaking to one of the best sports agents out there. Um, you know, I think what's interesting is we often look at, you know, oh, if you only make most lottery winners, and as you know, most many professional athletes have a windfall of millions, but go back to their default. Most or entrepreneurs, even too, talk about windfalls. Exactly. Right? Bankrupt twice. Yeah, exactly. Average millionaire in America, which is an entrepreneur, Literally, the average one goes bankrupt twice before they keep their money. Yeah. So you need the inner game. <laughs> exactly. You need the inner game, right, and the outer game. Like, you've got to have the mindset right as well as do the practices that you so beautifully articulated. We're, we're at time, and I want to respect your time, but I have just two qu very quick uh, final questions. One is, if there were two resources, whether they be books, uh, something like tangible, actionable that the audience could walk away with, uh, and obviously I want to recommend your books, which I just, <laughs> which, uh, which I actually just got autographed, baby. Um, but um, if there were, if there were two sort of resources that you found to be really profound in your own mindset, what, what would those two be that you could share with the audience? Uh, number one would be "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. Yeah, great. Uh, daily lessons. It's the beginning of somebody who can take the, the holistic approach, the pragmatic and the energetic side of things. Yeah. And clearly, even though it was written over 100 years ago now, I think, it, all, all Carnegie stuff, it, it just is it's 100 people. Human nature doesn't change. It's the guide to human nature. The second one is going to be a little different than most people anticipate. And the answer to that is the resource that you should see that will change your life is to have three mentors at all time in your life. I don't care what they are because I don't want to give people – I believe that Think and Grow Rich is a great foundation or text no matter what you want to do. But the second advice would be if you have three mentors, one mentor each that sit in a situation that you want to be in. So for me, when I went to write my book, I used Napoleon Hill Foundation as my mentor uh -huh. because I wanted to write Connected to Goodness like Think and Grow Rich. When I wanted to learn my relationship with money, I asked Steve Wynn to teach me his relationship to money because I want to be in that situation. So use Think and Grow Rich and three mentors of your choice. Don't be afraid to ask them and bless them and compliment them by asking them to mentor you. Just be concise and, and respectful of their time. Almost everyone will say yes, no matter how big or crazy you think they are. If you can get in front of them, take that advantage and say, real quick, Gary V, can you mentor me? I'll take three minutes whenever I need just to ask you about how to scale a business because you're the best that I know at scaling a business, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. That's the two that I would use. Beautiful. Where can people find you online? 
David Meltzer is the name to remember. If you search David Meltzer, at David Meltzer, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, David. The reason I'm stressing David is not because I care. It's Dave Meltzer is a world wrestling guy. <laughs> and because I'm in sports, people get us mixed up. Yeah. I actually own DaveMeltzer.com, so I had to switch my domain to <laughs> DMeltzer.com. So first initial, last name, DMeltzer.com. But remember the name David Meltzer, and I am here to be of service. Uh, and to provide value and see how we can connect with everyone to achieve what you would like to achieve in order for one thing, be happy. That's it, my man. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, chuck full of information. Definitely check. I've been. I've done a ton of research, uh, Googled your content online, been on your Instagram page. Definitely recommend everyone check you out. This will not be our last conversation. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, David Meltzer. Appreciate you. My honor. Thank you. Awesome. My man. That's good. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David. Uh, I know that I did. And it really helped me think about especially time and how I'm spending my time and um, if it's a worthwhile investment of time. I think time is our most precious resource and it's valuable to think about um, with whom and in what ways we are spending our time. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, uh, rating and review. Uh, it really helps the show grow and move up in the algorithm. And my intention is to add as much value to you and your life as possible. If you have any direct feedback for me on ways we can improve the show, uh, you're always welcome to hit me up at Michael Trainer on all social networks. And, it, you know, I just really want to express my gratitude. I've been absolutely loving this podcast process, been loving your feedback. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you thought the episode could be valuable, please share it off with uh, your friends or on social. And also, please go out there and live your inspired life.